Good morning. Good to see you this morning. I've had somebody ask me, well, where's the choir? The choir will be back next Sunday. Uh, we're not rehearsing today. We have so many people who are sick um, that are not able to be here today. And so you pray for them uh, that they can all get well, because next week is Celebration Sunday. And um, it's amazing. I had someone show me their Bible for uh, Nehemiah 8, which was the lesson we sent out this weekend. They had the, that was what was being preached the first Sunday that they were in this building, Nehemiah 8. So it's interesting that next week they were having a celebration then, and next week will be our celebration day. And when they came in the building, it was that way. Let's stand together and join our voices uh, together in singing, Oh, How I Love Jesus.
provided that to be music to our ears and sad for our souls. And Lord, today as we continue to worship, I pray that you would be pleased with the offerings of praise and that you would meet with us today in a powerful way. In Jesus' name. If you would be seated right where you are. You know, many times in the morning we we have a ring in the play at the beginning of the service and a lot of times there's so much commotion and talking going on. And today I want you to have a moment to worship as she leads us today. So would you just remain in an attitude of worship as she plays before Pastor Called the Relentless Elimination 
by Curry. You, uh, if you have a chance and you can purchase that book, I encourage you to read it. You may not agree with everything in the book. But what he talked about is we just live in such a fast-paced world that we just forget what it is just to be still and to be quiet and just to find ourselves in the presence of the Lord and just to enjoy Him. And so uh, today, uh, this was good for me today as a reminder just to be still, just to be quiet. And uh, some of you need to learn how to be still and quiet. Amen? Amen. Because it's hard for us. I mean, it's just hard for us. And uh, so just to be still and just to, to listen to the voice of the Lord, to listen the beautiful music to take a walk. Maybe the best thing that some of you could do today is after church, go home, eat a nice lunch, be with your family, take a nap, and then go for a walk. Get outside and just enjoy the God of creation and the creation that He has blessed us with. And uh, if you need permission, you just got it. There you go. All right? You have a copy of God's Word. Look at this morning in the book of Nehemiah chapter 4. Nehemiah chapter 4. I look forward to preaching this message today. and uh, This is definitely a message to the church. And I want to unpack it, uh, unpackage it as such today. So if you have found your place, I'm going to ask you to stand with me as we honor the reading of God's Word. As a matter of fact, hold your Bible up and say this with me. This is the Bible. It is God's holy, infallible, inerrant, perfect, life-giving, life-changing Word. Now when Sambal heard that we were building the wall, he was angry and greatly enraged, and he jeered at the Jews. And he said in the presence of his brothers and of the army of Samaria, what are these feeble Jews doing? Will they restore it for themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they finish up in a day? Will they revive the stones, the heaps of rubbish and burnt ones at that? Tobiah the Amorite was with him. He said, yes, and what they are building, he said, yes, and what they are building, if a fox goes up on it, he will break down their stone wall. And immediately, here is Nehemiah. Now look at the picture. He is constantly praying all through this book. And that should be a great, great encouragement to each of us today. That we should pray and pray and pray. And when you think you've prayed enough, guess what? Keep on praying. Constantly finding ourselves in an attitude of prayer. Hear, O God. For we are despised. Turn back their taunt on their own heads and give them to be a plunder to the land where they are captives. Do not cover their guilt and let not their sin be blotted out from your sight. For they have provoked you to anger in the presence of the builders. Verse 6. So we built the wall. And all the wall was going together to half its height. They were at the halfway point. For the people had a mind to work. But when Sadok and Tobiah and the Arabs and the Amorites and the Ashadites heard that the repairing of the walls of Jerusalem was going forward and that the breaches were beginning to be closed, they were very angry. 
And they plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and to cause confusion in it. And we prayed to our God and set a guard as a protection against them day and night. In Judah, it was said, the strength of those who bear the burdens is failing. There is too much rubbish. By ourselves, we are not able to rebuild the wall. And our enemy said that they will not know or see till we come among them and kill them and stop the work. Lord Jesus, today, I thank you and I praise you for the time that we get together together this morning here in this building and as a body of believers. And Jesus, I'm asking you as we just continue in our time of worship today, God, as we worship you through the preaching of your word, God, that you would speak so clearly to each and every heart here today. God, I pray that you would give us ears to hear. I pray, God, that you would give us a heart that is willing to receive your truth today. And Jesus, I pray that anything that you may uncover in our lives today, that you would cover it with the blood of Jesus. And so God, we sit before you now and we wait upon you. We ask God that you teach us. We pray that the Holy Spirit would have freedom here today. God, we pray that any demon of hell that has been sent here today to blind, to steal, to somehow distort the work of God, we pray in the name that is above every name, the name of Jesus, that that spirit had no place here today. Jesus, we pray that you would rule and that you would reign. And when we walk out of these doors today, we could say that we have been in your presence and we are forever changed. And so Lord, you do what only you can do. And we will bless you and praise you for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now before you sit down, look at somebody and say, I'm getting ready to hear something good. <laughs> all right, good. Now you can sit down if you can, all right? I think I began to share some of this last week. Uh, it just Sometimes it's, it's hard to, to keep some things to yourself. You, 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 you want to wait for the right time because you know the timing is an important thing. But, but there's so much going on in the book of Nehemiah, so much that we've already looked at. And one of the things has been that anytime there is spiritual advancement, there's always going to be satanic opposition. Now you've heard me say that several times by now, or I hope you've heard it. If you haven't heard it, I want you to hear it today. Okay? Anytime there is spiritual advancement, you can bank on it. There is going to be some form of satanic opposition. And one of the tools that the enemy loves to use, especially in the life of his people, is the tool of discouragement. Now you can imagine how discouraging it would be to know that you've got enemies all around you and they are jeering you, they are taunting you. They're, they're making fun of you. As a matter of fact, I, I, got, I got taunted a little bit this week. Uh, some of you may or may not know this. I just happen to be one of the very few in the upstate that's a South Carolina Gamecock fan. Alright? And so a Tennessee volunteer, and I won't call him by name because I work with him at the state convention, but he knows. If he's watching, he knows who he is. And so 
so he sent me a, a text this week, and it was a picture of a lawnmower that had a that had a big gamecock on the front of the lawnmower, and it said, "It always promises to mow better next year, but it doesn't." It's horrible. And so you you can imagine what it would be like. You, you you've heard a word from God. God has given you a plan. You've been obedient in everything that God has laid out before you, and yet you still hear the enemy taunting you every single day. And to be honest, that could be discouraging. But what happens when the discouragement comes from within? Because that's really what you see happening. It starts with out, but all of a sudden, by the time that you get down to verse um, 10 and 11, you, you begin to see something very interesting. I want to read you a letter to kind of set the tone for where I want to go this morning. I'm going to change the names. This is not a mega fictitious letter. This is a real letter, but I'm going to change some of the names and locations. My dear friend, I'm through. Yesterday I handed in my resignation to take effect at once. This morning I began to work for a particular company. I'll not return to the pastor. I think I can see into your heart as you read these words and behold, not a little disappointment if not disgust. I don't blame you at all, for I am somewhat disgusted with myself. Do you recall the days in seminary when we talked of the future and painted pictures of what we are to do for the kingdom of God? We saw the boundless need for unselfish Christian service and longed to be out among men doing our part for the world's redemption. I'll never forget that last talk on the night before graduation. You were off to the foreign field. I was off to pastor my church. We had brave dreams of usefulness. And you have realized yours. As I look back across 25 years, I can see some lives that I've helped and some things I've been permitted to do that are worthwhile. But sitting here tonight, I am more than half convinced that God never intended me to be a minister. If you did, I'm not big enough and not brave enough to pay the price. Even if he leads you to write me down a coward, I'm going to tell you why I quit. In these years, I've found a few earnest, unselfish, consecrated Christians. I do not believe that I'm especially morbid or unfair in my estimate. So as far as I know my own heart, I'm not bitter, but through all these years, a conviction has been growing within me that the average church members cares precious little about the kingdom of God and its advancement or the welfare of his fellow man. He is a Christian in order that he may save his soul from hell and for no other reason. He does as little as he can, lives as indifferently as he dares. If he thought he could gain heaven without even living a figure for others, he would jump at the chance. Never have I known more than a small minority of any church which I have served to be really interested and selfishly devoted to God's work. It took my whole time to pull and to push and to urge and persuade the reluctant members of my church to undertake a little something for the kingdom. 
and took the covenant to be faithful in attendance of the services of the church, and not one out of ten ever thought of attending a prayer meeting. A large percentage seldom attend church in the morning and a pitifully small number in the evening. It didn't seem to mean anything to them that they had dedicated themselves to the service of Christ. I'm tired. Tired of being the only one in the church who being real sacrifice is expected. Tired of straining and tugging to get Christian people to live like Christians. Tired of planning work for my people and then being compelled to do it myself or see it left undone. Tired of dodging my creditors when I could, when I would not need to if I could pay what is due. Tired of the a frightening vision of penis old age. I'm not leaving Christ. I love him. I'll try to serve him. Judge me, living with old friend. I can't bear to lose your friendship, yours at all. Can you feel the weight of discouragement in that former pastor's heart? I'm going to tell you, there, there are some times in serving the Lord that are incredibly tough and difficult. And I'm going to give you, I'm just going to unpack three very quickly this morning in our text. Number one, it is a tough time in God's service when the workers of God begin to complain. Now look closely at verse 10. You may or may not know that Judah, Judah was a, was, was a person, Judah was a, was does anybody know what the name Judah means? You can just yell it out. Praise. Praise. The name Judah means praise. So here is someone who is supposed to be praising the Lord, but instead of shining, they're whining. Instead of, instead of praising, they're complaining, they're delivering some bad news. And here was the news. The strength of those bear the burden is failing. There is too much rubbish. By ourselves, we're not able to build the wall. And we've heard what our enemy said. When we least expect it, they're going to come in and they're going to take over. And here were these people that were so discouraged and now Nehemiah is not only experiencing opposition and difficulty from without, now it's coming from within. And you can imagine those words were like a bomb going off in Nehemiah's ear. The very best that he had is now depleted and discouraged. I'm probably talking to some leaders in our church today, and guess what? I have a feeling that you're tired. Anybody here been tired? It's okay, to, it's okay to say yes. It doesn't mean you're less than spiritual if you say yes, all right? I think whether you teach, whether you sing, whatever you do, there are moments in, in, in Christian life and in the, the service of the Lord where we do become tired and discouragement is given to ministry. Years and years ago, Pat and I were in full-time evangelism. My mom asked me, said, Ken, what does full-time evangelism mean? I didn't know how to explain that any better than this. Well, mom, we're just going to go from church to church to church wherever we're invited. 
We're going to preach the gospel, sing the gospel. Now, that didn't work for her. She said, this, uh, in other words, if you don't go somewhere and preach, you're not going to get paid. That's the only thing she understood. And I said, yes, ma'am, that's exactly what that means. First time we were ever out, we were the Coastal Angels and Conference, and a dear brother, Evangelist Junior Hill, was there. And we had met him uh, because he had painted the Indian Trail, the church that Pat and I had served in for a number of years. And he asked for a card, and in those days, everybody had cards. I mean, you're passing out the cards, right? And so by the time we got home from that trip, there was a letter, a handwritten letter, from Junior in our mailbox. I still have that letter today, and here's exactly what it said. Dear Ken Pat, evangelism is given to discouragement. Love, Junior. That's it. I've kept that letter. And there have been so many times in my own walk with Jesus that I maybe take out the word evangelism and just put pastor, husband, daddy. You with me? I'm just telling you, whatever God calls you to, whatever purpose God has created you for, there are times that you can be discouraged. Discouragement is given to ministry. It's given to church planning. It's given to music ministry. It's given to men's ministry. It's given to ladies' ministry, to stewardship, to children, to youth, to preschool. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about, right? And you can feel the weight and the truth of someone saying, the strength of the laborers is failing. The work that God calls us to is not always an easy work, is it? And sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's difficult. But just because it's difficult is not a reason for not doing it. Church, I want to encourage you, you are at a prime place that you can truly go forward with the Lord Jesus and do some things that you've never, ever seen in the history of the church. But it will not happen if you think you can take the easy way to do it. See, one of the great, the great things, and I chose to say this today instead of next week. Now, we're going to celebrate next week, right? We're going to meet together. We're going to celebrate. But I'm just going to let you hold it today. See, if you're not careful, you will throw your feet up on an ottoman somewhere and say, well, we paired that off. We have finally arrived. No, you haven't. No, you haven't. You have not arrived yet. That may be one chapter that is behind you that will enable you to do more for the kingdom of God than you ever thought possible. But the best days aren't behind you. You are not done. And the work that God has called you to do is not going to be an easy work. It's not always easy to pray, is it? It is not always easy to give. It is not always easy to study your Bible. None of those things are always easy. But I'm telling you, don't neglect it. Our service to God has to be guided by what God says and not how we feel. I am sick and tired of the feelers and the thinkers. You ever heard anybody say this? Well, I think, I feel. I'll tell you something. Hey, 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 I love you enough to say this. It don't really matter what we all think and feel. Amen. All that really matters is the divine will of God that He has unveiled for us to follow Him in. That's all that matters. So our service to God is guided on not how we feel, but who He is and what He said. That's why the Word says this, endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. But they that wait upon 
shall mount up with eagles, uh, wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. You may be here today, and you may be feeling the enemy just throwing those darts of discouragement at you. It is a discouraging time when workers begin to complain. But the second thing I want you to see in the text, that it's, it's a, a difficult time in ministry when garbage begins to accumulate. Y'all know what garbage is, right? Garbage, trash. We had eight kids. We were the trashiest people in our neighborhood, all right? You would not believe the, uh, the volume. I couldn't believe it sometimes. We tried not to be. We couldn't help it. Always trash. Always somebody having to take another, you know, hefty bag out to the garbage can. Look closely again at verse 10. In Judah, it was said, the strength of those who bear the burdens is failing. There's too much rubble. And by ourselves, we are not able to rebuild the wall. It's hard to build. We, uh, we've never started from scratch in building a house. Here's what we did do. We have bought a farmhouse, gutted it, and redid it. And in doing so, you would not believe the amount of stuff we had to throw away just so we could get started with the new. You with me? Anytime there's construction, there's going to be a mess. Somebody say amen. amen. And that's what was going on here. And, and, and so now Judah comes and says that the amount of trash was so great. There is so much rubble. There is so much rubbish that we cannot work. And because of such, the ability to move forward is gone. We're not able to be now, to me, this tells me something really important. That none of us in this room, listen, we cannot afford to let all the trash and sin of our life build up to the point that we can't go forward and go on with God. So I want to encourage you today to think about your own life. What are you building on? What, what are you giving yourself to? Many years ago, I read a story about a man who wanted to take advantage of an opportunity to make some quick money. And so he knew that there was a garbage dump and he bought that garbage dump and he brought in truckloads of dirt and filled it up and he found an, an unknowing uh, group of investors and they bought that piece of property from him and they built these just, I mean, extravagant, beautiful homes on that piece of property. But as the years went by, those homes began to fall apart. Why? Because the foundation of that property was a trash heap, and all that trash underneath began to move and began to shift. What once was beautiful became ugly because they built on trash. Listen to me closely. If you build on trash, trash is what you get. Right? My dad would say it this way. You run the dogs and you're going to have fleas. Garbage in, garbage out. It does matter what you build your life upon. That's why the writer, when Jesus was using the story in Luke, I'm just going to read that. We got plenty of time. We got plenty of time. 
Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose, the stream broke against the house and could not shake it because it had been built well. But the one who came and uh, the one who hears and does not do them is like a man whose house was built on the ground without foundation when the stream broke against it immediately it fell and the ruin of the house was great. Let me tell you something. It is important what you build your life upon. And it could be here today that you're going through a discouraging time in your life. And the reason why life seems to be so discouraging is there's too much sin and too much garbage. And you know what, the, you know what God needs to do today? God needs to back up the dump truck. And we go to Him in confession and repentance and say, God, here's all this trash in my life. And God, I'm asking you, God, to remove this and make me who you desire me to be. So let me ask the question, what could possibly the Holy Spirit be showing you right now? What could the Father be speaking to you about right now? What sin, what animal kind of creeps at you and gnaws at you? And it's just that constant sin that wants to pounce on you. Do you feel your eyes with trash, your ears with trash, your thoughts, your mouth has pride, evil desire, self-pity, anger, has worldless trashed up your life? What we need is God to back up the truck. And by God's grace and by God's goodness, all that stuff can be removed. I love 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Years ago, I heard Bailey Smith make this statement. Whatever sin you cover, God will uncover. But whatever sin you uncover, God will cover. And I'm telling you, some of you today, you're thinking, man, I am going through such a dry stream spiritually. None of this makes sense. What in the world is going on? Could it be that there's too much junk in your life that you can't go forward and you, can't, you just don't have the spiritual strength to pursue what God has planned for you? So let God do a work today. Number three, last one, number three. It is a discouraging time. It can be a difficult time when critics begin to assault. So here's what I do know. You can't move trash without disturbing the creatures of darkness. Because trash is their element. And you start removing sin, somebody's going to get hopping mad about it. Right? Uh, because they thrive on it. I love what R.G. One of my favorite guys to read was a preacher named R.G. Lee. And R.G. Lee, many, many years ago, was a pastor at Bellevue Baptist outside of Memphis, Tennessee. And uh, R.G. Lee was preaching really hard one day on the subject of sin. Can you imagine a preacher preaching on sin? <laughs> and I mean, he was letting it rip. He was shoving the corn and bowling the cob. Okay? He was going after it. And this lady came forward and she said, I am terribly offended. 
offended by your sermon. I did not appreciate it one bit. To which the man of God replied, the devil didn't either, so classify yourself. <laughs> you start removing trash, and I'm telling you, total commitment is always going to have its critics. Let someone begin to move for God in a positive way, and there are going to be those who will never, ever like it. And you know what they'll do? They'll launch a campaign. 41 years of ministry, folks, I'm telling you. I don't care how good the church is. I don't care how good the church is. Don't ever be surprised when you watch something like this happen. And if you'll notice very closely, listen carefully to language. Verse 11. And our enemy said they will not know or see. In other words, we're going to do it secretly. You ever heard of a church that started having secret meetings? Little groups getting together at somebody's house. They mapped out their plan. They began to circulate false reports. You can telephone, telegraph, or telemagnus. They begin to launch a campaign of why that won't work. So what they're trying to do is create this false report that will intimidate the man of God and the people of God. They wanted, they wanted, the, they wanted the leadership to become so busy worrying about all that they said they were going to do that they couldn't do anything else. Now, I don't know if that's ever happened to you. It's happened to me. I'll tell you one of the great crazy things that ever happened to me was, was my first pastor. I mean, I've heard of stuff like this. But Jesus had never happened to me. But it finally happened one day. I got my first unsigned letter. Now, to be honest with you, I made a mistake. Leadership 101. If there's anybody listening in person or by way of the internet today, and you believe that God's calling you in ministry, I'm going to give you leadership lesson 101. This is very important. If you ever get a note that is unsigned, always go to the bottom of the note first. If it's not signed, don't read it. That's right. Don't waste your time reading it. Anybody who will not have enough character to sign their thoughts, those thoughts aren't worth reading. That's right. so I, but I made a mistake the first time I read the word. And I must have read it three or four times. Tore me up. But not anymore. Not anymore. So the last time I got an unsigned letter, I took it to the pulpit. <laughs> and I told folks, I'm not reading it. And I did. I just ripped it up. Right there. The red man gave me to the phone for a car. <laughs> be careful. Someone was telling you a secret, you better be careful. That's right. Because the motive behind it may not be edifying to the kingdom of God. So Tim, are you sure about that? I'm positive about that. And we and our enemy said they will not know or see till we come among them and kill them. All they try to do is plant fear. Anybody who wants to do something like that is acting just like their daddy, the devil. Right. Mm -hmm. 
The Bible says that Satan is the, he's the father of what? Lies. Lies. And he's come to steal, kill, and destroy, right? So I'm telling you, they're, they're, so why do people act like that? Because they're acting like their daddy, that's why. He said, we're going to kill them, we're going to slay them. The, the devil's children act just like their dad. And sabotage was their mission. They wanted the work to cease. Hindrance was not the goal. Helplessness was. They wanted Nehemiah out of business. They wanted to tear down what was clearly a work of God. And they did not care that it was a work of God. They didn't like it. It just didn't fit in their plans and they wanted it to stop. I remember, I, I gotta pray up this just, but uh, um, in my in my first pastor, I had a man look at me one time, bit out of shape over a particular subject, and I won't go into what that subject was. But I just remember there in my office thinking, wow, and I uh, I just made a statement. I said, it sounds to me like you're more concerned about being Baptist than you are biblical. And just like that, he said, you are exactly right. Think about that statement. More concerned about being Baptist than being biblical. I don't want to go off on a lot of tangent right here. But most of you may or may not know, SBC life is not looking really good right now. I'm going to make a statement. You may be offended by this. I hope not. I was a follower of Jesus before I ever realized really what being a Baptist really was. And I promise you this. I don't know what's going to happen in two weeks at the Southern Baptist Convention, but I can, I can promise you something right now. As long as the Lord allows me to be transitional pastor here in Popper Spring, I promise you this. I will never make Baptist life more important than the Bible itself. Amen. We're going to stand on the Word of God, period. Yes, sir. I don't want to name the handicap that God wants to do. So make that a matter of prayer. So let me wrap this up. Three times, three times in two verses, you begin to see complaints and you begin to see garbage accumulation and you begin to see the words of critics. I got good news for you and I don't have time to develop today. How about this? How about I just pick up verse 13 next week? I told you my message is about belonging. Just chop them off somewhere, all right? Just chop them off somewhere. We pick it back up next week. And I'll use next week to, to, to show you what Nehemiah did. And I think it's a beautiful way to help us be able to celebrate what we're going to celebrate next week. But at least let me say this. God gave Nehemiah a plan. And when Nehemiah obeyed what God told him to do, Everything fine. So I've got a few questions while, before we go into our invitation today. Do you have an uncontrolled tongue? Is it set on fire from hell? Do you use your tongue to handle the work of God? If so, ask God to forgive you. If you can't say anything good about the church, 
I don't love you enough to tell you this. If you can't say anything good about the church, just don't say anything at all. Just don't. Has the work of God slowed down in your life because there's some trash in your life? Then ask God to bring the garbage truck and take off the trash. Don't let sin hinder your relationship with God anymore. You know, the, the sin may not... Listen, here's a beautiful thing about that scripture. A child of God may sin, which doesn't mean you break your sonship, but it does break fellowship. Let God restore that fellowship today. Let me tell you something. Listen, David prayed in Psalm 51. He realized that he had sinned, and God made that very apparent. I'm telling you, go home today. Read Psalm 51 and feel the weight of Holy Ghost conviction and the freedom when God forgave him. He said, the, the, my, my bones were breaking. Let me tell you something. God doesn't mind breaking a bone as long as he captures your heart. Some of you here today, you know what I'm talking about. You feel the weight of sin. It's like it's breaking your bones. And, and I'm telling you, listen, the best thing you can do today is let God's grace bring you forgiveness. Are you tired? Anybody here today, you're tired. You're tired. You're worn out in God's service. Maybe there's somebody here today, you're discouraged. Maybe somebody didn't come today because they're discouraged and they just want to quit. There's so much to do, and it seems like so little want to do anything. So here's what I'm telling you today. Confess your discouragement to the Lord. Ask Him to give you a new vision. Ask Him to give you a new vitality and a new sense of victory that it's just too soon. I cannot tell you how many times in 41 years of ministry I have thrown in the towel. It seems to happen either on a Sunday night or a Monday morning. And I just want to throw, and every time, every single time, but I have thrown that towel in. You know what God does? He throws it right back at me. Every single time. Those who are discouraged, they just be honest with you today. 
God, I pray, Lord, for someone here today that might have to say, Lord, I've, I've sinned against you with my lips, my tongue. God, I've said some things that were not beneficial to the church or not beneficial to my marriage, my home. God, maybe other relationships. God, maybe there's someone here today that they they are overwhelmed at their sin. And the devil has told them they can never get beyond that sin. And Lord, that is such a lie straight from the pits of hell today. God, I pray for believers all over this room today, God, that, that may have a sin issue, that the same sin, that Lord, even today, they would, they would walk the road of repentance and confession and God just agree with you about that sin and ask you to wash them and cleanse them and to forgive them of that sin and God to give them spiritual victory in place of that sin. And so, Lord, we just commit this time to you. God, maybe someone needs to be saved today. God, maybe someone needs to join this church today. God, maybe you just need to come and find a place around this altar and just get in your presence. And so, Lord, for whatever you do, we will thank you and we'll praise you in Jesus' name. I'm going to ask you to stand at your feet as our musicians, our team leads us in this time of invitation. I'll be here if you need me, but maybe you just need to get in the presence of the Lord. Trust me. Trust me.